This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I started the Smart Investing Show about 28 years ago uh, where we discuss finance, investing, and the economy. It is a call-in show, and we'd like to hear from you. If you're calling in for that unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion on a stock you're looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and again, as always, gets you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And again, just have general investment questions as well. Uh, we do that too. So, Chase, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing well. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I can't believe I, it, I, I swear, we we're just here yesterday. It's, the <laughs> weeks just fly on by here. Well, I think it's the uh, the three day weekend. It always kind of shortens it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that last week was pretty. Pretty smooth, pretty quick, and then also, yeah. oh, we're back. Yeah. When are we going to have a volatile week in the market? I know it's become, coming up. It's got to come up. This craziness can't keep going on. Well, there's craziness in other areas, but you're right. The, <laughs> the overall market uh, seems to just be pretty steady, and it, it's it's not moving up. But it's not moving down. It just seems to be kind of treading some water here, yeah. and uh, we'll kind of see what, what June has in store now that, that we've moved ahead, and I know most time the summer months can get a little bit more volatile because, well, there's some people yeah. on vacation. And I think people are going to go on vacation. Oh, they this are. Year. They are. That's for sure. <laughs> so we we could see some movement coming up here. And I mean, we're not traders, so it's not like, oh, we're we're, yeah. we're all excited for the craziness that can happen. But we we've talked about this before. We we're sitting on some cash right now, so we're we're waiting for some good opportunities. Yep. So hard to do that sometimes for people because oh, I got to be invested. I got to be invested. They think that you're supposed to be invested. No. Not always. I mean, you go to the store, you don't buy everything right away. You kind of wait sometimes. Wait for the sales. So, but let, let's move on to the jobs market because um, overall, the jobs market uh, was okay. Uh, the headline number of 559,000 jobs missed the estimate of 661,000. That uh, follows last month major miss, which uh, even after the revision, upwards of 278,000. It was well short of the initial estimate of 1 million. I'm not sure where that 1 million came from. I, I'm yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, I think it was because we were reopening, so yeah. there was some hope that we would have uh, people going back to work. And they forgot that, well, gee, if I stay home, I can still get, what is it, $800 a week. So maybe I'll just wait a little bit longer and enjoy my vacation longer. <laughs> well, 300 a week plus the state unemployment. <clears throat> so, Well, yeah, it depends on the state because yeah. it seems to range from, I don't know, 700 to 900 a week in yeah. the state that you're in. But, yeah, the 300 a week is from the Fed plus yeah. the state. So. But the uh, unemployment rate uh, yesterday did take a uh, lower to 5.8%, but uh, the labor force participation rate uh, of 61.6% is still 1.7 percentage points below last February. Job creation was heavy, but it was concentrated in some areas that benefited just as the reopening of leisure and hospitality. Yeah, and I mean, I, I did kind of want to circle back real quick to that labor force participation. You sound like 1.7%. Oh, that doesn't sound like that much. But again, you extrapolate that over millions and millions of people, 
there's a lot of people that are not in the labor force that were in the labor force before COVID <laughs> occurred. So if we start to see that rate right. tick up, you'll see unemployment rate tick down a little bit. And I'm glad you brought that up because, again, I, I didn't mean to downplay the 1.7% because, again, that, that participation rate, the 616 it does not move a whole lot. It's not, it's not like cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all over the place. This does not move participation rate. I mean, if it moves from 61.6 to, we'll say, 61.9, that's a pretty big movement for it. Oh, yeah. And I said that it's hundreds of thousands of people. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, you kind of brought up the leisure and hospitality sector. I mean, they did see growth of 292,000, by far the largest kind of sector participating in the job growth there. Uh, bars and restaurants accounting for 186,000. No surprises. You know, that's been an area that's just been decimated due to COVID. Uh, another area that actually did quite well, and uh, I don't want to say it's laughable, but it is interesting that, you know, public and private education added 144,000 as schools continue to resume in-person learning. What a concept, right? You open schools, well, more jobs will come back. And it's not just the teachers, it's other jobs to run the school. The janitors, the administrators, the counselors. I mean, there's a lot of people on school campus, uh, the security guards. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people on the, the campus that you don't think about. Groundskeepers. Groundskeepers, yeah. <laughs> um, other things, too, the, the leisure and hospitality sector, why that 292000 sounds exciting. You have to remember, the sector remains 2.5 million jobs or 15% below where it was before the pandemic started. So it's like, oh, you know, we're seeing great job growth here. Ah, you're kind of just getting a job back. You're not creating new jobs. Yeah, and that's an important point. It's a, not job growth, it's job recovery is what I would like to call it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great term there. And uh, kind of looking as well, uh, if you look at the hospitality sector compared to the overall job market, the job market is still about 7.6 million jobs or 5% below where it was before the pandemic. So even though leisure and hospitality doesn't account for a third of all the jobs out there, it's about a third of the missing jobs that we lost due to COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you know, one thing that I think about, too, with, with um, and I don't want to get too far off track here, but with uh, the, the immigration coming in, we could increase our legal immigration because we have more jobs and people. Yeah. But it's got to be done right. And <clears throat> to grow our country, we need more people working. Well, I, I agree with that. But <clears throat> the other thing that we just talked about is labor force. If you start to tick up the labor force participation, now all of a sudden the job openings, they're not as plentiful. So um, there, there's, I think, a combo because, yeah, you're right, we do need good legal immigration because you get new talent in here as well. But it, it's going to have to be a balance between the two, right. I'd say. <clears throat> and we need jobs across the board, uh, you know. So, so that, that is important. So we kind of got off track. I apologize. Continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we we're just saying it's going to be interesting. We kind of brought this up already. Uh, unemployment benefits. There's been some debate on if they are impacting people going back to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think most people know where we stand on that. I, I don't understand how it couldn't have some type of impact of, you know, if you're on the cusp there of saying, yeah. well, I'd make about the same going back to work. I think I'm going to collect unemployment a little bit longer. So. Uh, I do disagree that I, I think that there is an impact from this. And and we will start to see now if there is a discrepancy, because you're going to see this month, 22 Republican-led states, they're actually pulling back on that, saying, no, we don't want the federal 300 bucks a, uh, a week anymore. We, we're saying, no, we're going to hopefully get people back to work. 
And then you also see three more states uh, do this next month at the beginning of July. So it, it, it may start to occur in the uh, June report, which we will see next month if right. we're going to see a discrepancy between the states that end the unemployment and the states that uh, keep the unemployment, if we're going to have a divide there in terms of people joining the labor force and also going back to work. And the other thing keeping people home as well is if you have kids and they can't go to school, well, you need to stay home because you have to have take care of the kids. I mean, if you've got a, an 8-year-old that you send to school, that's fine. But if not, you got to stay home. Well, I can't go back to work, so I'll stay in unemployment because i got to watch my kids so I get paid for it. So um, I, I think that's going to change uh, going forward as well. So, And, and I, gosh, I say I, I don't know what parents do during the summertime. I was a parent. I raised four kids. I mean, I remember put you guys in Hawaii camp and stuff like that. Yeah, swimming tennis. I remember yeah. doing that. Yeah, uh, you know, different football. Football. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Got a lot yeah. going on. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It is going to be interesting. And uh, you know, you've heard this administration talk a lot about the uncertainty <clears throat> over the unemployment. I, I am excited to see if we can finally get some sound logic of is it impacting it or not i mean mm-hmm. that that's where we're going to actually have <laughs> some interesting data and i'm i'm excited to kind of dive down deep into the data and it's funny we we're talking uh yesterday and about this the thing too on the job creation at the national level is it could still be held back because half the states are still offering it so yeah. we still might not be creating as many jobs as as we could be but, but it will will increase i think by a, a noticeable amount but you're right california new york two big states uh, that is two states. I think that's what 80 million, 70 million people. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's a big, big one. But uh, you got Texas, Alaska, the ones that are Florida, Florida. Yeah, that have a lot of people in them. Um, but shoot, I was just gonna I, say something that kind of slipped my mind as I changed gears there. So hey, when that happens, I do too. I, I was gonna say the the interesting thing that happened here too is even <clears> though we missed, I, I think this report was what you'd call kind of like a Goldilocks type scenario mm-hmm. where it wasn't, oh my gosh, we created a hundred thousand jobs and drastically missed like we did last month, but also it wasn't over the jobs created. So it didn't spark inflation fears. And you saw the 10 year note, I think it was down like 4% yesterday because there was no concerns over inflation. The job market wasn't getting too hot. And that's where I think that the next few months you could start to see that 10-year note increase because i think the job market we know again we're missing 7.6 million jobs right not that we need to create new jobs we need to as you said recover 7.6 million jobs they're out there we know they are and as that start to happen that's where i think you could start to see the inflation fears spark once again and you could see the 10-year note actually start to increase yeah and we've kind of started to see this correlation between the 10-year note arms uh, excuse me, it's a negative correlation where the 10-year note goes down. Oh, that's great for big tech, the growth mm-hmm. stocks. 10-year note goes up. That's bad for growth stocks and big tech. So be cognizant of that. I, I do think that is around the corner, and, and that's one reason we, we continue to say value we believe will we'll do very well as we move forward. And, and what I was going to talk about was the, um, I believe people going back to work is going to hurt consumer spending. Now, why do I say that? Because when you go back to work, I mean, right now you're at home, you're not doing anything. Oh, let's go, let's go shopping, let's go out to, to lunch or whatever. But when you're working, you're working a little bit tired. I, I think I sent you a picture a few weeks ago. Uh, Monday night went down to True Food down in Mission Valley. There was a line on a Monday night for dinner to get into Cheesecake Factory of, of probably 25 people. That would never happen on Monday night because Monday night you're back to school or I'm sorry, work. You're tired. But now I think people are spending money because they're not doing anything. So they go, out. Oh, once you start going back to work, you may not be so willing to go out on a Monday night after working all day. Yeah, no, it, it is going to be 
it is going to be interesting, and maybe that helps the the supply chain problems that we've seen. Yeah, you know, it it could kind of help counteract it. It it may be negative for inflation in one regard, but also be positive for it if we kind of reduce some of the demand for the the goods that are outstanding because. Well, people have less time to go on Amazon, go I, out to the mall. Yeah, and you know how the Fed says the inflation is transitory. Maybe that's one thing they're thinking uh, that that's going to slow down once people go back to work. I mean, well, we'll, yeah. we'll see in the next uh, month or two here. Uh, but let, let's talk about mask and makeup. I I, I like this one here. <laughs> Trying to get rid of the mask and reload on lipstick, makeup, and even teeth teeth whitener. Yeah, I, I saw that one. That's pretty cool. Uh, many states uh, no longer having a mask mandate in California, moving towards that uh, magical day of June fifteenth. Yay! Uh, and consumers can increase uh, uh, cosmetic purchases because now you can see your face. Uh, it's nice, like, oh, that's who you are. I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I go to this restaurant frequently called the Flora, and uh, it's like Carmel Valley area. Right. And we we have the same server every every time we go. And you know, he's always very nice and stuff. And I saw him in the bathroom. He's kind of like washing his face. I'm like, that's what your face looks like. <laughs> I hadn't known for the last three months. <laughs> but it is it is kind of interesting. As you said, the, the cosmetic purchases have been increasing. And according to the Consumer Brands Association, consumer spending on hair, dental, and shaving products was up 7.1%. And cosmetic spending increased by 7.2% from just February to March. Wow. I mean, that, that's a pretty that's substantial a increase, yeah. especially when you take into consideration these are items that normally don't have volatility because it's like, ah, it's part of your daily routine. Right. You need them. You're not <clears throat> going to see a 7% spike. That That's huge in terms of this. Mm-hmm. And also cosmetic spending year over year, I, I was blown away by this, was up 23.5% in March. And I understand, yeah, last, last year we were kind of closed down, yeah. but it, it's still... I guess interesting to kind of see how much that impacted this industry. Yeah, and, and there's what is that Sephora, but I think they're privately held because I, I I've talked about this before. I go in there with my my fiance. I hate being in there; it's crowded. I mean, they got so much stuff, and you can't walk out of there without spending at least three hundred dollars. It seems like their stuff is so expensive. Yeah, and it's just something that I I I just would love to buy them for the right price, obviously, but they're they're privately traded, so. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is uh, one of the big winners here is actually lipstick. And for the four weeks ending April 18th, it's on an 80% increase compared to the same time period last year. <laughs> Almost a double. <laughs> and, I mean, it, it looks like people are gearing up for a fun summer here. Well, and the other thing, too, that's happening is that people have been staying at home. <clears throat> they're not dressing up. They're not going out, not putting their makeup on. Well, now you do start going out. You do start going to work. You're going to change that as well. And and one thing I kind of noticed that people say, yeah, but now, uh, I, and I have not been in a men's warehouse in a while, uh, but I think their sales are probably very low. This reminds me of what we're going through now, and, and I'll see only some of our listeners will remember this, but back in the 60s, we went through this, what I call grunge stage, where you had jeans and they were torn and, and the, the better you dressed down, the, the better it was. The more dressed down, the better it was. Well, we seem to kind of go through that now. I look around like no one is dressing up anymore. But then in the 60s, you had the 70s roll around and the disco phrase and so forth. And everybody, oh, wearing suits and everything. So we go through these cycles. And, and, and I think this stage that we're in now will not last for forever. It will, will change around. Because I, I like being dressed up. And I go out and I love seeing people dressed up. But there's less and less people doing that. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, uh, I... 
I'm not going to say I enjoy dressing up every day, but you know, it's part of the profession. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. But uh, on the weekends, I definitely enjoy yeah, wearing yeah. a hoodie, wearing basketball shorts. I mean, in high school, I would wear right. basketball shorts and a t-shirt every day. To every school. day. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. if it was winter. I was going to say, you look kind of grungy today, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, but yeah, you... I'm, I'm repping the pod, Padre gear. You know, they're, know. They're, they keep winning. I, I got to keep rocking the Padre gear. <laughs> but back to this, I was going to say one thing that I was disappointed on was Ulta Beauty. That yes. was one that I was kind of watching last year because it started mm-hmm. to dip. And, I mean, they have a clean balance sheet. We knew that, you know, people were going to come back to buying cosmetics. It, yeah. It's just part of life. But it, it didn't fall enough last year to kind of create that opportunity. I know it's done very well. You kind of missed the boat on that one. But right. we also bought some other things that have done, I'd say, probably equally as well, if not better. So, And, and again, I'm, I'm kind of like you. You're the purse expert. I'm the makeup expert. Uh, I, I went into Ultra Beauty with, with uh, Christine and my fiancé. And we didn't like it. It was just, yeah, it just didn't have the same appeal. You didn't get the same feeling. And and it was just, uh, and there wasn't as many people in there either. So I think they go for a little bit of a different, like it's different than Sephora. I know Ultra Beauty is more like, kind of like it caters to like maybe salons, other type things as well. So I don't know. I've never been in one, Um, but I I know that it it was a popular stock and it it did struggle last year. And their sales have done phenomenal. So. That, that, at the end of the day, was something that you have to put the right. personal side away from it. Right. And I see Brendan in there. I think he's been in a makeup store, too. Oh, like my Brendan? goodness. I can't tell you how many of my paychecks have gone straight to makeup. <laughs> for you? No, not for me, my fiance. Right. <laughs> yeah, and don't you just enjoy going in there and just standing there like, oh, this is First great. off, that's the girliest music I've ever heard in my entire life in there. Oh, I'm like, right. where's the rock and roll? Where's anything? <laughs> It must be music that makes them purchase more makeup because they I do, have right? to assume there's some kind of like psychology with it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it doesn't, and that's why we hate being in there. Like this is not right. Exactly. And, it's not our store. And you know, it's so funny. I look at other guys in there. They all walk around with their head down, like, oh yeah, I'm here. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So it is a great, uh, great product because it just women love to buy it. And I, I was gonna say some some areas to maybe consider for this is even like department stores and you know. Kohl's, I, we thought, was a great company in terms of valuation for right. a while, but that, that's just come back so much because they have that deal with Sephora. Yeah. So they're kind of an indirect beneficiary of this increase that we're going to be seeing in cosmetic right. spending. Uh, they're going to get foot traffic in there. I mean, we were huge advocates of that deal. That was phenomenal for Kohl's. Yeah. But I know Kohl's gotten a little expensive. So I started to think, I mean, that there could be some more room for opportunity in terms of, you know, this cosmetic trend. Yeah. But it just seems like, the reopening trend's gone so far as well. Oh, I heard that uh, Elon Musk is going to start a, uh, a cosmetic company. Really? No, I'm just joking. okay. Well, he's starting a restaurant, so <laughs> That's I was what I'm like, saying. I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. maybe he's going to put at the t- Tesla charging stations a cosmetic store. I don't know. You know, that would probably go pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> and those cosmetics you can buy with cryptocurrency too. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and we didn't say Tesla, Brennan. So now you just did though. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on because. Um, we looked at, uh, you know, Zoom was really hot back, what, about a year ago and so forth. But it appears that Zoom calls are falling out of favor with employers. Uh, they're realize, realizing that face-to-face interaction on both a formal and informal basis are important for business development. I, I've always felt this way. I mean, to, to, to talk to somebody. And we did some Zoom conferences yeah. and some Zoom presentations. And it, and it was like a fill-in, but it wasn't the same. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting. A recent study uh, completed by the consulting firm Aon shows that 81% of employers now have a tentative date for a return to the office. So we kind of talked about office REITs in the past, and you know, this kind of confirms that theory that people will be coming back to the office. Whether even it's a hybrid model or you know a, a full-fledged kind of back-to-the-office type practice, we do believe we'll see that, but kind of continuing with the Zoom conversation, as you're right, we, we did have the conferences last year, the, the consultations on Zoom, but now we have kind of a hybrid approach. It's nice. One thing that it did do is it makes it much better for people that are out of California, out of San Diego. Yeah, right. You know, I spoke with a, a couple up in the Bay Area this mm-hmm. week. Well, they can't come in for an appointment, so right. the Zoom gives you a little bit more than just a phone call. It gives you kind of, oh, that's who I'm talking to. Right. So it's nice to have that option, but I don't think it's going to be obviously as prevalent where people were doing Zoom happy hours last year. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to see that anymore. <laughs> and, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm so disappointed because I was speaking, uh, I got asked to speak for a real estate company on, I think it's on Thursday. And I was so excited. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be by Zoom. I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that face-to-face speaking. So, But anyways, speaking of that, you know, I, before we go to the calls, I, I, I do want to bring up that we have our workshop coming up. We, we get very excited about those. Uh, that's going to be Thursday, June 24th at 6 o'clock. We will be at Ale Smith Brewery. It's right off of Miramar Road for uh, the next Smart Investing Workshop. Now, at this workshop, we will show you how I have successfully managed clients' money for over 40 years. We'll go over all the financial fundamentals that put your mind at ease when investing and keep you on the right course for long-term investing. We will also go over mistakes that investors have made for years and years and will continue to make if they're not revealed to you at the workshop. You will learn from those. The workshop is free, but you must register at our website for attendance. Uh, Go to smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office at 858 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. As for Brianna, now sitting is limited, so don't delay because last time we had quite a few people show up and I think we'll probably even more this time. So get an early start there. Go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. Sign up and and be sure to get one of those great beers from Ale Smith uh, as you become a smarter investor and enjoy the time there at Ale Smith. Yeah, the last couple we've done, it's just been a fun, fun time and you know, people kind of relax. They they, yeah. they have a couple of beers, and then they they learn about finance. I mean, obviously that's the most important part. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the the others are nice nice additions, I'd say. And, and also too, Ale Smith has some great beers, obviously, but they have great food trucks that show up as well, and they have like yeah. great food. Like, wow, that was the best burrito I think I ever had last time. So it was great. <laughs> so, alrighty, phone numbers here. Where are they at, guys? Where's the Where's the phone numbers here? Uh, here it is. Uh, I don't want to lose that phone number. You know, it's funny. We we're on the other station for twenty years. I knew the phone number, but I always had to have the sheet there to remind me of it because it just had to trigger that memory. But phone numbers call in here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. As always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, got to point out, Jennifer, you see it. But we got four people from Facebook this morning, which we will get to them, and a couple I haven't recognized before and some great questions here. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, but uh, right now, let's help go out to Lakeside and speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, fellas. Good morning. Thanks again for, for doing what you're doing. Uh, I was sitting here. I was uh, driving today while I was putting on my makeup. And you guys just <laughs> totally messed me up. Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, just changes you, obviously. Yeah, I was looking at IIPR. I've been looking at it for too many years. Probably should have bought it. Um, but I want to keep my streak going on stocks that I like that you don't like. So, <laughs> but why don't you hit me with IIPR? Okay, we'll take a look at Innovative Industrial Properties Incorporated. Symbol is IIPR. Not a bad start. I say that because the P-E ratio is 52, which is a high P-E ratio, but the industry is not material, so that's a, that's a positive. Unfortunately, price of sales, wow, 31. That's 10 times the industry at 3.4. Price to book value is 2.9 versus 1.9. Price to cash flow is 39 versus 18. And price to book value is 2.9 versus 1.9. Now, you get a 2.9% dividend, but it shows here they use... 137% of the earnings to pay that out. Looking at sales growth, it is up 135%. That just blows away the industry, which went down 21%. And same thing with earnings. Earnings are up 47.8%. Industry on earnings year over year for the last 12 months were down 217%. Uh, you've got a good balance sheet. And I kind of question a good balance sheet because I don't see a current ratio versus 0.43. Uh, but debt to equity, very good, 9 the industry is at 257. We do see return equity is 6.7 versus negative 2.7. Net profit margin, very good, 57 versus negative 5.7. No receivable, no inventory turnover. Chase, is this a REIT by chance? Yes, it is a oh, REIT. That's what I thought. Uh, I, was, I was just kind of double checking to see exactly what they do. Obviously, I'm guessing it is an industrial REIT just by the name of it. Maybe <laughs> yeah. a tech industrial REIT. I, I don't know. But yes, it is an industrial REIT is what, what it is. Uh, it says it is a self-advised Maryland corporation focused on the acquisition, ownership, and management of specialized properties leased to experienced state-licensed operators for their regulated medical use cannabis facilities. Interesting. It's a cannabis. Cannabis. Region. Oh, wow. Huh. Different way to kind of hey, play that. Industrial. I want to put that in industrial, but I... I mean, maybe the I know the industrial it takes so much energy to run the right. lights and everything else. Yeah. So it might be industrial type properties. I don't know. Uh, it is interesting here though. Current price is one hundred eighty-one dollars and twenty-seven cents for again innovative industrial properties. Fifty-two week high. Well, that's two hundred twenty-two dollars and eight cents. And wow, fifty-two week low, eighty-five dollars and forty cents. I'm kind of surprised this company got hit so hard, uh, or maybe it didn't dip that much. But I mean, to come. Off that $85 low is, is pretty impressive. If I go forward to December 2022, though, I do see FFO and funds from operations of $9.04. It would give us a target sell price of $150.06. So that's below the current price. But one thing I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm very impressed by is this company's FFO growth. Right. I mean, I honestly don't think I've seen a REIT with this type of growth on funds from operation. I say that because this year in 2021, they're estimated to make $6.69. So that's about 35% in terms of that FFO growth. That That's huge. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying go out and buy it, but it kind of justifies a little bit higher on the valuation side if they're able to grow at that rate. So it's not, again, what we do, David, but, right. I mean, the the growth and, is intriguing. And, and the thing I'm wondering, too, is it 100% cannabis growth? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it is. Because one thing that it, it could be good, could be bad, because that field I know is really uh, saturated. Everybody yeah. seems to have a cannabis farm now. Sure. Um, but industrial, 
I, I, I'm just not sure what they do differently. So there could be something there. And I like might that. might be able to pivot too quickly. Yeah. If yeah. all of a sudden cannabis starts to struggle, well, maybe they're able to pivot to a different industry. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. All right, Dave, does that uh, answer your question? Yeah. The, the reason I was looking at it is it hasn't been around very long. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, I know it seems to be a high price, but uh, with all the new cannabis laws they got coming, I just figured maybe this thing's just going to, yeah. Well, maybe 180 bucks or nothing. Maybe it'll even go higher. So I thought maybe it'd be a good stock to maybe gamble on just, you know, 1% or something of your portfolio. Yeah, well, we're not gamblers, but again, I, I and again, I think if, if we're going to gamble, this one seems to have some potential, uh, and I think the hype will be there because of the Canvas side. So um, I was going to say, we could actually go check out the uh, headquarters. Where are they at? Uh, Rancho Bernardo. Really? Right, yeah. right in our backyard? Yeah, they're on uh, West Bernardo Court. So uh -huh. that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go check it out. Maybe, maybe we'll do that uh, after the show. <laughs> do some research and walk in. Who are you guys? <laughs> yeah. You know. Maybe they'll give it a free sample. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering. I want to see what the people are kind of like. Are they yeah. kind of like, hey, man, <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs> you know, so. oh. <laughs> we might just go check it out just for curiosity. Let's, let's do that after the show, okay, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you for calling. Have a good one. And thank you for all that you do, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye-bye. All, right. all right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 2473 and uh, chase um, a lot of listeners don't know that we do take calls not calls but sometimes people don't want to call in so they'll send us an email they go to our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com send us an email uh and we'll answer your question that's exactly what uh, this gentleman garrett did he said uh hi brent a great show please look at petco symbol is woof w-o-w-o-o-f uh, he also asked for AT&T, but we can only do one. So we're going to do Petco. So I've not looked at Petco in a while. Uh, interested in buying both and curious how AT&T looks given the recent news. Um, usually we take the first one on that. Maybe if we have time, we'll come well, back to AT&T. We've talked a lot about at and I don't think we'll have time to yeah. base off the Facebook questions and the callers. Um, but I, we've taken a lot of looks at AT&T. So I, I don't think we've taken a look at Woof or Petco. Yeah. And I'm going there tomorrow to get my dog's bath. So I, let's take a look at Petco. Oh, you, you take your dog there to get a bath there? Yeah. Oh. Uh, they, they just love them there. They're two little wiener dogs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, they're, they're kind of cool-looking dogs there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pull it up here. Yeah, my, my computer's kind of having a, a fun time here. It's doing some dancing here. Here it is. Petco. It's now called Petco Health and Wellness Company. I remember they made that change, I think, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just Petco. And it's kind of a, a, a good thing because I think people really like to have you know, take good care of their their animals, and and uh, you know that's where we go as well for shots for our dog and the veterinarian. So, yeah. uh, let's take a look at Petco Health and Wellness Company Incorporated. Symbol is W O O F. Well, this is disappointing. This whole these numbers are disappointing, uh, and I think they had some changes here. But there's no PE ratio versus forty one point nine for the industry. No price to sales. Okay, now here here it is. Shows last financial information is May first. So maybe they just reported or just released it, so Could it's be. not out there. That's probably what it is. And so, Garrett, you might have to send us another email maybe in a, a month or so after all the financial information is released, but we'll give you what we got here. 
Uh, price of book value is 3.2 versus not material, no price to cash flow. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Uh, I do not even see, I don't think the income statements were released either. No uh, sales growth, no earnings growth. On the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 0.9 versus 1.4. That's okay. Debt to equity is 80 versus 65. That's okay, but uh, we don't have return on uh, equity, uh, net profit margin, nothing there. I, I don't have very much. I think it was probably just released. Do you have anything at all from the what was, gonna, what was the debt to equity again on it? Uh, the debt to equity was 80. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not bad because no. I think that was a problem for them years ago because they, they used to be public, then they went private, then they maybe became public again, correct? Right. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I'm glad to see that. Now, also just kind of speaking broadly about Petco, it is interesting how they've expanded. You talk about the veterinarian, um, you know, the shots, things like that. So they've really kind of uh, enhanced their services, which I think creates probably more reoccurring revenue for them, the grooming, things like that, rather than just having the storefront. Right. So I, I think it's an interesting business move. Uh, but looking at the current price here of $22.09, 52-week low is $17.86, and 52-week high, well, that's $31.08. So maybe Garrett's seeing that pullback there as an opportunity. But unfortunately, I still go out to, let's see, next year, 2023, would give us a average estimate for earnings per share of $0.81. Cents. Unfortunately, just a target sell price of $13.45. So even without all these numbers, right. I can tell you the target sell price doesn't even make it worth it. And I'm disappointed because I, I love the ticker symbol here. I think it's yeah. a fun one. And also, I, I think the business is intriguing considering the movement that we've seen to pets. And I was also seeing people thought we were going to have this huge baby boom during COVID. That right. didn't necessarily occur. But what did occur was a huge pet boom. Really? So, I yeah, I guess that. a lot of people adopted pets and things of that nature. So that's advantageous for Petco, but right. it's just the numbers aren't there to back it up in terms of valuation at this you, time. You know, that does make sense because, again, you're at home. Oh, well, let's have a pet because I'm kind of lonely. I'm at home all the time. And so, yeah, I can, I can see how that boom would happen. So yeah. um, that, that, that did happen. But, yeah, I'm disappointed because I think it would be a good business, but it's just too expensive, and you can't buy expensive businesses because it could take you long, many, many years to make up uh, the investment or – you can lose money, so be careful. This woof is a whiff, you know. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> woof is a whiff. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on with that one. The phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Chase, I don't think we've ever have had this happen before, but I see all phone lines are booked up and all Facebook. I mean, gosh, busy busy day today. So let me get right back to the calls here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jesus. Jesus, you're on the Smart Investor event. Chase, how can we help you? Hey, what's going on, man? Happy uh, Saturday. Yeah, happy Saturday to you. How you doing? Um, pretty chipper, man. Just uh, was listening to your radio show, actually, by accident. And uh, I heard you guys talking about stocks, and there was there was one that came to mind, actually, when I heard it. And it was uh, LFMD. Mm -hmm. It's one that I've been, like, watching, I think, for, like, at least over a year now. And it seems to call my attention because when I first saw it, it was, like, at like two, three bucks, and now it's like at 13 or something like that, but it shot up to like over 20, I think like, uh, like two months ago maybe or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and, so, and I've, I've never – I just wanted your take on that one there. Sure, sure. And I've never seen this company before. My feeling is it had probably something to do kind of like with COVID to where uh, you could maybe do a online screening or something. That's just my guess. Well, I'm going to go through some numbers maybe chase. I think they do like uh, like – like hospital teleconference yep. 
that, that, that was my, my guess. And I think Jason's going to look it up while I'm doing this here. So let's say let's uh, Life MD Incorporated. Symbol is LFMD. Unfortunately, Jesus, there's no PE ratio versus 54 for the uh, industry, which means that they have no earnings over the last 12 months. We do say price of sales is kind of expensive, 6.9 versus 2.4. Price of tangible book value, 116. That's 10 times the industry at 16.7. They do not pay a dividend, but here's the exciting part. Their sales are up 263% year over year for the last 12 months. Industry only up 22.7, but that's where the good news ends because the earnings per share fell by 891%, which is also 10 times the industry. Actually, the industry grew uh, 86% that time frame. We do have a nice balance sheet for this company. Uh, we do see they got a current ratio of 1.1 versus 1.1 for the industry, so the same there. Debt to equity, uh, 18.2 versus 60.4. Uh, we see in that, and I like seeing that. Uh, no return on equity, which kind of. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, that means that the company. Yeah, you said you like seeing that. I like seeing that because it, they've got a strong balance sheet. Because if you had a high debt to equity, this company, and it's a fairly new company, what that means is that they may not be able to weather the storm. But when they have low debt, you know, 18 versus 60. That means that, you know, they can go through some tough times and not be forced into bankruptcy. All right. Okay. Cool. And then we do not see any return on equity. Uh, we do see a net profit margin of a negative 136 versus a positive 4.4. Receivable turnover is very good, 62 versus 32. And inventory turnover, 9 versus 8. Chase, did you find anything on this company here at all? Yeah, so I think that the reason this company has fallen and, and did appreciate so much during COVID was it is a direct-to-patient telehealth company. Okay. So telehealth was you know kind of big because, oh, we're not going to go to the doctor's office anymore. Right, that's done. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably why it did spike because, I mean, you look at the current price of $13.58. It's still well off the 52-week low of $1.40. As you said, Jesus, it was at $33.02. So we've seen this massive pullback. I think a lot of that obviously yeah. stems from the fact that people said, oh, wait a minute, COVID may be ending here and people will go back to the doctors. Mm -hmm. So this telehealth movement right. wasn't people as... People started realizing, they're like, wait a minute, COVID might not be real. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, but so now people are saying, oh, maybe I don't want to use telehealth. I know me personally, I... I, I tried it once and I, I didn't like it. I, yeah. I, I want people to touch my bump and Dude, make sure I'm old so, school man yeah. it's like I like to see face to face you know yes. I do uh, like business to business sales so it's like I get it you so you got to you got to see somebody face to face sometimes you know exactly yeah. exactly more often than not yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i mean the, the thing that we look at is this company it, it's it's very very new it's very small it's only about a 300 million dollar market cap which is about the size of the company so it's a small cap we normally don't like that because we manage about $450 million. We could move the market on this. But the other thing is, I mean, I look forward, and this company's estimated to make no money in 2022. In fact, they're estimated to lose about $0.48 cents a share. We like to invest in companies that make money. So I, I worry that the trend is now going against this company. They have mm -hmm. no estimated earnings. The balance sheet is good, which is positive. I think this company can still right. be around, but I just think the value isn't there for, for LifeMD. So... Uh, I'd have to recommend staying away from it. It's, it's definitely a gamble, but I, I just don't see the trend 
benefiting it any longer. And Jesus, it's always kind of nice to buy companies or invest in companies that you kind of believe in and like and so forth. And as you mentioned, you like that face to face thing. So I don't think you'd be buying this company because you're going to say, why did I buy that if it well, goes you down? You know what? I, I bought this company when it was like at like a couple of bucks and stuff. And, you know, I sold it when it was like at like 20 something. Well, great job. I saved, I, I, yeah, I saved some of the shares too. And, you know, I mean, it's still decent. I mean, but I'm just wondering, should I just get rid of these or like, you know, keep them or what? Well, I mean, based on the fundamentals, I mean, there's no reason to hold it. Plus, you don't really believe in what they do. So I would say, yeah, get rid of it because you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, right? I mean, it's money like, on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus, like, hey, hey. It was just like on a, like a, just on a whim kind of thing or like just, just dumb luck how I stumbled upon it because it was like a, the stock name was different, I, I think, like maybe three months ago or something. Then yeah. they changed it or something like that. Yeah, and you got to be um, happy. Hey, you got to be happy with, with the games. Another one? Can I ask you another question for another one? Uh, you got... Not for another company because we got like all lines are booked up and stuff. That's so fine. yeah, but but I, I believe you're a new listener, so uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, stay with us and uh, call in again. Already? Most definitely, man. I appreciate your time. All right, have a good one. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six. 577-2473. Before we go back to the calls or to Facebook calls, uh, let's go to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Well, good, good. I know we're talking about inflation today from a different angle on the financial planning side. Fill us in. Yeah, so I know you guys have been talking about inflation because of all the uh, things we're seeing in the economy and legislatively and all that. But I wanted to bring um, kind of a different different perspective of it. So um, inflation, it really hurts people most who are on a fixed income. So a lot of retirees worry about inflation. Uh, since 1913, the average inflation rate per year has been about 3.1%. So to put that into perspective, if you retire at age 60 with $100,000 of income, by age 90, that's down to about uh, a little bit less than $39,000 of income. So that's almost a third of what it was when you initially started retirement. So on paper, that sounds really scary. But what I want to talk about today is in practice, it doesn't exactly happen that way. Because in reality, as people get older, they tend to slow down and they don't really do as much. So at age 60, if you're newly retired, you're traveling around, you're playing golf, you're active, you're going out to eat all the time, maybe you're volunteering. So you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and all that stuff in a lot of cases can be expensive, which is okay. By age, you know, if you look at an 80 year old, they're usually not doing quite as much stuff. They're hanging out at home a whole lot more. And so they're doing a whole lot less and they're, they're spending a whole lot less. So the cost, that retirees in reality experience doesn't really keep up with the rate of inflation. So going forward, you know, we might see some inflation, but that doesn't mean um, it has to be as bad as it seems. Um, so I wanted to point that out because I, I think it's an important uh, fact to understand. And, and, and that's so important because as a financial planner that you look at that, because I, I've often said inflation for people is kind of like the secret killer to your plan because you don't realize it and, and, and time goes by so quickly. All of a sudden, 15 years later, like, well, gosh, I, I don't have enough money to do what I want to do anymore. It's because inflation kind of ate away slowly at what you had. That's exactly it. And so, you know, inflation is there. So we have to understand the real impact of it because I talk to a lot of people who are, you know, worried about retiring. Um, they're worried about inflation. They're worried that they're going to run out of money. Um, and so what that causes them to do is, 
they don't want to go out and have fun early in retirement. So we have to find that line of how much can you do, how much fun can you can you have, how much traveling can you do without hurting your long-term um, future. And, and Harrison, I, I, I saw something this morning on social media that I, I, want, I would like you to do maybe next week on the segment. That's about emergency funds because it's part of financial planning. And, and somebody commented that, oh, on this this unemployment, these numbers, oh, we got to, you know, do this with people. And I kind of responded back like, well, no, what about personal responsibility? We, we talk about having emergency funds and we do it a little bit differently at our office. So, so maybe next week, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here that uh, you can bring that up on how to have emergency fund, what it should be, the different ways to do it and so forth. Because my feeling is you should be able to prepare for yourself if you do lose your job. Not like, oh, government, help me out. <laughs> a little bit, maybe. Absolutely. You know, that, that's a good topic. I'll write it down for next week. Perfect. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, on the inflation front, it, it is interesting, Harrison. I, I haven't broken that down that way with 100000 to 39000 I mean, that that's kind of devastating, I guess. But it, it you're right in the regard of, uh, you know, people spend less. But also, too, it is so important to show why people need to be very careful investing in bonds. I mean, you know, a lot of times you go, oh, I'm 60. I can't have stocks anymore. I mean, gosh, if you can't keep up with inflation, you kind of talk about that fixed income. I mean, you're going to really decimate your savings. And it, it just always confused me because we talk about being 80, 90 years old. That's 30 years away. That's such a long time frame. Oh, I'm, I'm retired. It's, it's you know, not safe to be in stocks any longer. That's 30 years. Maybe you live another 40 years as well. And, I mean, it's just, I think, so misconstrued to be so heavily in bonds as you hit retirement because I think a lot of people are missing the boat on inflation because it's been so lackluster over the last decade. Yeah, that's exactly true. We have had really low inflation, so people haven't had to worry about it. And, you know, with higher inflation, bonds tend to do less over periods of that. So um, what I tell people when they get closer to retirement, they're like, okay, you know, I need to go more to bonds now. I need to be more conservative. But really, as you mentioned, even if you're retiring, you still have you're going to still be an investor for another potentially 30 years or more. So you still need your assets to continue to grow over time because that's really the best way to keep up with inflation. Social Security increases slightly, but usually the, the increase isn't as much as um, regular inflation. is a little bit lower than that. So you need your assets to continue to increase so that you can continually increase in your own income. That's so true. So great topic, Harrison. Thanks for joining us. I know you got a busy weekend this weekend, so we'll let you go. But uh, again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on Monday morning. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday. All right. Have a good one. Harrison doesn't have a busy right. weekend this weekend. This is the first time he gets to relax in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make him sound good. <laughs> see, after the radio show, I go in the office. I try to make it like he goes in the office. But I think, I think we are giving this weekend off. So, but uh, If you do want to talk to Harrison, and, and again, we do free consultations to see a financial plan. And I, and I really encourage you, if you think you have a financial planner, please compare it to Harrison. He's a CFP. Come in, talk to him. I, I, I would almost... If we could do this, I'd almost pay you $100 to say, come in and compare it to him, to your financial planner. You're going to realize, like, oh, my gosh, he does so much more than my guy. And it's free. Try it out. Give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can go to the website as well, find out more information about him. Smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And I want to make sure that I, I – 
clear that I'm not giving the hundred dollars away. I said I would like to okay, make sure that people, are, okay, Brian, what's my hundred dollars? You know, so but yeah, I but I promise you, you will do. You'll be so impressed on, on the differences. Yep. So take my word on that one. All righty, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. We take one from Facebook. We haven't done. Gosh, you're, you're reading my mind. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I, was, I was saying that yeah, we haven't done anything with Facebook, so I, I thought we'd done Facebook. I see Silo. Uh, Is that the way you say it? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, C E L O. Yeah. Silo. Yeah. So Silo uh, uh, wants to know about uh, Sony and ABM, uh, and I was thinking. Um, I'm not sure what ABM is. Should we do Sony? I'm kind of well. Sony's a foreign company. Uh, let's see. I see ABM is ABM Industries. It's got a three. Point three billion dollar market cap, so it's not small or anything. I think we can take a look at that one. Yeah, I, and I don't know what it is, so yeah, let, let's try to find out uh, something new here. Yeah, ABM Industries uh, symbol is ABM. Uh, not a great start here, unfortunately. So low. The PE ratio is seventy four versus fifty five. Price of sales though, and this is important. It's point five seven versus three point eight. People might say, well, why do you look at earnings and why do you look at sales? Earnings is something that can be moved. The PE can be moved on accounting issues. Sales is a pure number. You can't move it. So when you see a 0.57 versus 3.8, that's a good number. We do see that price attainable book value, not material, same as the industry. Price to cash flow, 23.6. That's above the industry at 18.6. And again, valuation ratios, you do want them lower than the industry average. We do say they pay a 1.5% uh, dividend, use 106%. They're to pay that out. Sales were down 9.8% year over year. Industry was up 58 Unfortunately, earnings per share fell by 68%. That was more than industry decline of 39. They do have a good balance sheet, 1.45. That's the same as the industry. Debt to equity is very good, 44. I say very good because the industry is at 105. Return on equity is 3 versus 7.2. I would like to see that higher. Net profit margin, 0.8 versus 6.9. And then receivable turnover is 5.8 versus 3.1. And I feel if you're really going to buy this company, you got to look at financial statements more because I think there's some accounting things going on. Chase, what do you see going forward uh, for the earnings? Yeah, so current price here for ABM Industries was $49.66. 52-week high is $55.48. So there's that small pullback. But the 52-week low is $30.41. So still pretty well off that low there. Now I got to October 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.16 would give us a target sell price of $52.46. So it is slightly above the current price right now, but it would be in the hold category. If you held it, wouldn't sell it. If you're looking at buying it, I'd I'd be a little patient on it. I I wouldn't get into it at this time. I did kind of check what the company does, and it says they're an industrial uh, special business services or specialty business services. Trying to look at this real quick. Uh, see what they offer. It says the company operates through business and industry, technology and manufacturing, education, aviation, and technical solutions segments. It provides janitorial, facilities engineering, and parking, custodial, landscaping and ground, and mechanical and electrical services. I like this business, though. It is something that uh, yeah, worth know, watching, maybe worth yeah. watching, and also too as we reopen and people start to go back to the office. You need a lot more of these services. Yeah, and, and I wish it was lower because we, we that's what we're kind of looking for, something that's going to benefit when people go back to the office over the next, we're going to say, 12 to 24 months. Um, but we can't find anything. We haven't found anything yet that's really on sale. 
So we'll have to kind of wait for that. But that's, that's a possibility to watch. Yeah, so. I, I like the simplicity of it. I like yep. the service side of it. So yep. it's interesting, just yep. not at the right price yet. Yep. So still help, helps that helps out. Uh, we got to go to uh, the. Let's go back to the phones because we're running short of time here already. Gosh, it's flying by here. Uh, let's go down to Chula Vista and speak with Brian. Brian, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good morning. Good. I got in a good spot here on my jog, so oh, good. Uh, the connection <laughs> is good. Hey, uh, last time I called you guys was about three years ago when a company of my uh, my company got bought by another company, and the advice was really good, so it was pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> I, I switched jobs and went to another company, and then they just got bought by KKR. So I'm interested in knowing a little more about them. Okay. What you guys think. Okay. Well, let's take a look to KKR and Company Incorporated. I believe this is the old, uh, and I forget the name, Clavis and somebody else. They actually buy companies is what they, they kind of do. So uh, let, let's see what this is. And Jason kind of looked that up. I, I, I appreciate that. So coming again is KKR and Company Incorporated. Their symbol is KKR. Good start here, Brian. I mean, the P.E. ratio is only 6.9 versus 15. Price to sales, 4.7 versus 2.7. That's not so good. And then price to book value, 3.5 versus 2.6. And price to cash flow looks very good, 3.6, because the industry is at 26. And again, valuation ratios, you want them lower than the industry average. Now, they only pay a 1.1% dividend uh, versus the industry at 1.4. Uh, we do see that uh, they use 6.3% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, we're looking at sales growth uh, year over year up 338% versus 6.3. That's good. Wow. Earnings per share grew by 21,800 versus 54. Don't see how they're going to have that kind of earnings growth. So very curious on this company. Uh, we do see current ratio, not material versus 1.3 for the industry debt to equity 245 versus 158. But again, I believe this is an acquisition company. So your debt's going to be a little bit different. Uh, return on equity is 44.5 versus 14.9. Net profit margin, 131 versus 17. That's a great number, but God, just almost too high. And we see we still return on 51.7 versus 0.7. Chase, I'm very curious. Is this the company I'm thinking of, the acquisition company? Uh, it's a private equity and real estate investment yeah, firm uh, specializes in you know, acquisitions, leverage buyouts, uh, you know, different lower middle markets and uh, middle market investments, so investment company, essentially. Uh, they do consider investments in all industries, which is kind of yeah. interesting as well, so they can diversify their portfolio. So uh, interesting company. The, the profile here is like, I don't know, three paragraphs long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it uh, gives you an idea of the private equity side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what they did was they, they'd buy companies and they would just kind of hold them. KKNR. Yeah, they were well known back in the uh, 90s. Interesting. But uh, giving you kind of a little more numbers here, Brian, the, the current price for KKR and company is $55.40. 52-week high, well, that's $59.15, and the low is $27.95. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.50. Would give us a target sell price of $58.10. So again, kind of like the last company we just went over, it, it's not a buy at this rate, but it, it could be a hold based off future research. Yeah, and I, I kind of like what they do. And, I, and for your perspective, they, they bought your company. Um, generally, I believe they hold the companies for the long term, unless they can get a, a great price for it. 
but it, it's just something yep. that I, I like this company. They've done well over the time. They're kind of what I call the early SPAC companies, but they, they're just private equity to where they're, they're, they're going to do the right thing with the, the money you bring in. That's why the high leverage. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I like the company, but again, just, just too expensive at this price. I do remember back in the nineties around $15 a share and I, we almost bought it, but, uh, did not. So, so. Excellent. Well, yeah. thanks. Thank you guys very much. Okay, Brian, enjoy your run. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That does over the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three, and yeah, that was a very popular company. I believe it was back in the nineties uh, of what they did. They were acquiring companies and so forth. That was kind of like, as I said, the the early version of SPACs um, because and, and they were just doing phenomenal, and they were on TV all the time. How great they were! And I believe probably, I mean, the gentlemen were older. I believe they're probably out of it, perhaps or deceased by now. But I think the concept lives on of, of what they do. Yeah, I do think they probably merged, but I, I do see like a 10-year chart, and it's done very well over the last 10 years. So Yeah, uh, yeah. Interesting company. Yeah. And they did look at businesses to buy great businesses at good prices and, and kind of hold them, but the difference being is that they, well, almost like a Warren Buffett thing, where they would hold them and you, uh, you know, and they would try to increase the value. So I think they were a little more active. I mean, Warren Buffett, when he buys a company, he lets the management do what they want. I think they were a little bit more active in, in trying to replace the board, maybe replace the uh, uh, the executives sometimes. So. Interesting. All Funny right. About the variety of KKR you guys are mentioning, they just recently bought a majority stake in uh, the catalog of the band One Republic. It says online here. The, I've the, never knew you can buy music or stake into that kind of stuff. So there it, you go. And what is that again? The, the what? The Cal- band One Republic. It's it's a very poppy band that's popular right now. Oh. So. Okay. Well, see, and that's one thing too. When you have uh, hedge funds and you have these private equities. Um, they can do stuff like that. They, yeah. they can invest your money in, in strange things. I remember that uh, I, I did a thing many years ago that even a hedge fund could buy Super Bowl tickets at a price and then sell at a higher price. I mean, th- there's no limit to what they can do. Same thing here. They're, 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 their job is to make you money by buying good investments, and uh, I don't know how you value that, but... <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, we talked about uh, like with Tatis, Fernando Tatis, when he got his big yeah. deal, there was a company that essentially fronts money for people in uh, exchange for a future stake in future contracts. Yep. So, you know, there's pretty much a lot of different ways you can make money. Um, yep. You know, and I have heard of other companies, too, that are trying to buy music rights to, to artists and stuff. So, yeah. interesting. I didn't know they got involved in that, but um, I know one public's pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and actually, uh, we got about a minute left, so I, I got a call this past week for somebody that wants me to be in a movie. And I was very excited about it. I was thinking what I'm going to do is not ask for pay, but ask for like a 1% of the royalties or of the revenue, because that's how you actually make money. Yeah. Not, not to say this will be a big blockbuster. I mean, who knows? It's going to be a big flop, but I was just kind of like shocked. Like, but that's how you make the money. I kind of got off track there, but off of royalties of the music is where it comes from, because it goes on and on and on is what it does. So, Recurring revenue. Recurring revenue. That, that's what I like. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. I do see we got uh, Tim in San Diego on hold, Richard in Point Loma, John and Coronado. Stay with us. Uh, we'll get to you right after the quick break here. Uh, on Facebook, I do see Jason, Robert, John. We'll try to get you. John has a question on ransomware yeah. uh, question. So we're, we're not tech guys, but we'll, we'll kind of – did you have something written on that? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, no, I, I have the post here, and it, okay. it, it's kind of funny. It's like a post we did this week. So Cool. All right, well, we'll talk about that. So you are listening to Smart Investing Show. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 
2473. Looking forward to the second half. More great calls, more great information. So don't go anywhere. We've got a full hour left to talk more about investing, the economy, and finance as well. Stay with us. Welcome back to the second half of Smart Investing Show. Yes, we have some phone lines open at 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We're going to take uh, some Facebook uh, questions now. Uh, going to Jason on Facebook. Uh, Chase, you have some information on that from Jason? Yeah, he just says, uh, good morning. Looking at adding a new position of NVO, which is Novo Nordisk. It's uh, near a 52-week high, but uh, likes the numbers. Hoping to add a foreign company and future estimates on uh, the format. Looks too good to be true. Hoping to hear the analysis. And I, I do believe Jason mentioned before he was looking at a foreign company that wasn't in it, uh, countries like China and Russia. Right, right. And Denmark, I think, is a pretty nice country. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think we need to travel to Denmark and see what it's like. I've, I've never I, been in Scandinavian countries. Either. Yeah, I, I would kind of like to see Denmark, Switzerland. Um, and, and my fiance always wants to travel. That's something I would like to do to see something different. I don't want just travel just to travel. But anyways, let's look at the Novo Nordisk uh, A slash S. Um, we do see that, yeah, I do have some numbers compared to, uh, PE ratio is 26.9, that versus the S&P at 32.6. Well, actually, they do have an industry, so there's nothing there for the industry, so I'll compare the industry here. We do see price of sales 6.8 versus 10.3, so that's positive. Price to book value, tangible book value, 22.8, that's about double the industry at 12.5. And then we see price of cash flow checks in at 17.8, well below the industry at 352. Now, they do pay a dividend of 1.8% and only use 34% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales were up 0.2%, which is about one-tenth the industry growth at 22.7. Earnings per share climbed by 7.9. Industry was down 7.8. Looking at the balance sheet, current ratio 0.85, a little bit nervous there on that. Uh, the industry is at 3.6, but it's nice here. Their debt to equity is only 16.5, which is well below the industry at 42. Return on equity, wow, I think they have low equity here. 75.9 is return on equity versus not material versus a negative 17 for the industry. We do see net profit margin, 33.8 versus a negative 25. And then we see receivable turnover is 4.4 versus 4.8. Inventory turnover, 1.2 
versus two. Do you have anything on the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, current price here for uh, Novo Nordisk is $80.95. And it does trade on the New York Stock Exchange as well as uh, ADR, it looks like. 52-week high is $82.23, and 52-week low is $63.22. Quite surprised. This company is very large. It's about $142 billion market cap. Wow. So a, it's a good, good size. Yeah, good size, yeah. It is a healthcare company that engages in the research, develop, manufacture, marketing of pharmaceutical products worldwide, operates in two segments, diabetes and obesity care. So, um, again, healthcare company. Unfortunately, if I look forward to December 2022, though, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.38. I say unfortunately because it would give us a target sell price of $56.11. So uh, it is overpriced. I, I know there's healthcare companies here that trade at more reasonable valuations. I know Jason's looking for more of an international type company. But uh, to be quite honest, I, if you're looking for an international company, I don't know if I'd go with healthcare because they're right. selling drugs anyways. Right. Generally, I'd, I'd look for like a something that's going to benefit from that particular region. If you're looking for an international company, where healthcare, you can kind of get healthcare anywhere. It's not going to be detrimental if you know the United States slows down. Well, healthcare is going to be not impacted as much anyways if you buy a U.S. healthcare company. Hey, can we tell if that healthcare company is? Worldwide, or is it just in Denmark? It says it's worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. Because I was going to say, in, in, in Denmark, I don't know a lot about Denmark. I mean, I, I, I think they're socialist country, I believe. I think they're kind of they're kind of like very nice country. Yeah. I don't know if they're accounting. I don't know much about it. Uh, and again, if I don't know something, I'm not going to uh, invest in it, or I will do more research on it. But I just don't think it's worth doing all the research on this one company, especially based on the numbers that we see. Yep. So. So, uh, Jason, we got to tell you to kind of move on and, and uh, find another one that uh, is maybe a U.S. company. And, again, it's very hard. That, that's why I love doing the radio show because we're getting a lot of different things. And if people say, well, gosh, they don't seem to like anything. Well, that's okay. I mean, there's a time that things will be expensive, but we still got to look at different things. So. Yeah, and I, I will say, Jason, if you're looking for an international company, there are other ones out there. And it's funny. We were looking at, um, you know, kind of the chip shortage and, you know, two players that are, are you know, Pretty prevalent in that in terms of the equipment is applied materials and LAM research. But those two companies are way too expensive. So we said, well, let's look at the suppliers. And unfortunately, we couldn't find any major suppliers here in the United States that were public that were intriguing. But I'll, I'll tell people, and we found yeah. one in Canada. But, you know, it just doesn't fit in what we do. So we like to buy the U.S. companies. But, you know, sometimes you can kind of go through that thought process. And if I was buying an international company, I still want the numbers to make sense. Exactly. Exactly. All righty. Let's go back to the phones here. Uh, let's go out to uh, Tim in San Diego. Tim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. Go Padres, as always. All righty. <laughs> maybe, maybe we got an international company for them. I wanted you guys to look at VWDRY. They do wind systems. Their only competition, from what I found, is GE. I owned them originally when it was around $30 a share. I had to sell them to give you guys my money at, like, 40 <laughs> And then recently it went up to 80 I think they split or something because it's down to 12 now. Okay. And, and Chase, do you know where this company is based? What, uh, or, or Tim, do you know where the company is based? It's not a U.S. company. I believe it's based in um, Amsterdam because they, they're like Holland and all the wind farms over there is what they're big in. Oh, I, I think they still have the old wind farms where they kind of like uh, have those big, you know, things on them. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, you need to travel a little <laughs> bit more. They've updated <laughs> since your youth. Come on now. <laughs> right, okay. So I, I'll hit uh, Amsterdam and Denmark so I can get to some world renown here. 
uh, find out what's going on around the world. So, all right, well, let's take a look at uh, Veritas Wind Systems AS. Uh, I can't compare the industry because they are a foreign country. They don't trade uh, as an ADR, obviously, on the, the U.S. But the PE ratio is kind of high. It's 38.4. Uh, we do see price of sales 2.1. Price to book value, tangible value, 17.6. And price of cash, well, 20.7. So not great valuation ratios, but not terrible either. You do get a 0.8% dividend. They use 29% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, sales are up 14.9% year over year. Earnings did climb by 29%. So those two, two things are, are fine. Growing the sales, growing the earnings. Uh, the balance sheet looks good. Uh, current ratio 1.1. Debt to equity 31. Return to equity also right in line here 19.4. Uh, net profit margin uh, checks in at 5.5. Seems reasonable. Uh, receivable turnover 6.9. And inventory turnover 2.2. So I, I think the valuation ratio look okay. Anything on earnings going forward, Chase? Yeah, well, this, uh, this company's been around a long time. Uh, really? It goes back to 1898 is when the business wow. was founded. And uh, it is a worldwide company when it comes to, you know, installing, manufacturing, and servicing those uh, wind turbines. Um, but looking at the location of it, it is another Denmark company. Really? So yeah. The, so Denmark. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to Denmark, I guess. <laughs> I guess Denmark is the place to be. But uh, unfortunately, I know they do have an ADR here, but uh, Reuters has only given me the Denmark um, listing. So it'll still give you an idea on valuation, but it is going to be in euros. So right now, the current price is 30.35 euros. 52-week high is 43.18 euros, and the 52-week low is 17.39 euros. I got to December 2022. I see the estimated earnings per share is 1.33 euros. Would give us a target sell price, unfortunately, just $22 and, or sorry, 22.08 euros. Euros. So um, it looks a little expensive there. Uh, looks like it's done all right. I'm sure it's part of that green energy movement. Uh, I still think a lot of the green energy movement went too far, too fast, and now it's kind of pulled back. And I think it, it's. I'm not going to say at a fair valuation. It could still come lower, but um, I think right. a lot of the hype has kind of left the green energy movement. You know, at least I guess we can say this. This uh, company doesn't blow. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to uh, correct, by the way. Uh, they're actually in Danish krones. They don't accept euros in uh, Denmark. So just a heads up on that, too. No, thanks for that. Yeah, Danish krones. You're, you're right. There's a whole, a whole yeah. different uh, currency. So, yeah. So, you know, Brennan's great. He, he fills in these things that uh, kind of help us out a little bit and makes us even smarter. So. Yeah. Tim, was that, a, was that a child there in the background? That is. That's little Taylor. We're on our uh, first, my first official day of summer. It's been a weird show. You've talked about teaching. We got a new puppy, you know, all that fun <laughs> stuff. And, of course, flipping <laughs> tickets because, you know, the Super Bowl tickets, hopefully that Raider thing that I told you guys about comes through. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tim, thanks for calling in. You have a great weekend. You too. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, a lot of people don't know that in the background, Brendan is looking at things that, we, that we're that we talking about. He's looking at things. He had something on a company, came in during the break and told us about it. What was that again, uh, Brendan? It was about ABM. Yeah. Uh, it said it started in 1909 as a single-person window-washing company. Yes. And look where it's grown to now, so it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. See, we, we just love that information. It just makes you a smarter investor. Yeah. The American dream right there. That's right, that's right. I'm sure the gentleman that founded it would be very proud of what it's grown into. I know it, yeah. 
and, and he's not all washed up, so that's no. great. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible with the puns today. Okay, well, let's move on. Let, phone number is 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Point Loma and speak with Richard. Richard, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Yeah, good morning. Um, I had a company that I bought in 2019, and, of course, it plunged because of COVID. And so, um, you know, I just kept it and hoped it and thought it would come back, and it did. And uh, it's gone far past that now. So I, I was looking at it this week thinking maybe I should sell, but it, to me it looks like just a big buy again. I'm thinking maybe I should double up. <laughs> Could um, be. What, what's what's a company? It, it's ATH Athena Holdings. Now, you're not going to like what they do, but uh, just looking at the numbers, it just looks like value to me. Okay. Well, well let's take a look at Athena Holdings. Their symbol is ATH. Uh, now, so far, uh, Richard, I like the start here. P.E. ratio 4.2 versus 12.5. So that's a great start. Price of sales 0.6 versus 1. Uh, price to tangible book value 0.7 versus 0.99, which means you're paying 70 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. That's a good thing. And unfortunately, no price of cash flow versus 10 for the industry. Uh, Athena Holdings does not pay any dividends. We do see sales are up year over year, 96.7 versus 0.9. That's huge. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 578 versus a negative 6.9. Now, the balance sheet here, I don't see a current ratio versus two for the industry. Debt to equity is very good. Debt to equity is 11.4 versus 29. Return on equity is 29.7 versus 6.9. Net profit margin, 15.9 versus 7.8 and no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, what do you got over there for Athena Holdings? Yeah, so looking at the current price here for Athena Holdings, it's $62.85, 52-week highs, $63.64, and the lows, $29. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $8.94. Would give us a target sell price of $148.40. I mean, that looks almost too good to be true. Um, but I mean, the numbers look good on it. I see why you, you think we won't like it here, Richard. It is a retirement services company that issues, reinsures, and acquires retirement savings products. Uh, they provide annuity retirement solution, solutions, essentially, mm. to its customers. But this is interesting. It says, in the United States and Bermuda. It is l listed in Bermuda, but right. I, I don't think I've ever seen it listed like, yeah, we do it in the United States and Bermuda, and Bermuda. as well. <laughs> right, yeah. And I, and I, and I, there's a reason why they list in Bermuda. I think it's uh, less expensive for your corporation but why they're both I don't, I don't get the reason for both but um yeah we we like the numbers here um but i almost would their feel quarter, their, their their quarterly earnings have just spiked the mm -hmm. last two quarters and so like i said i thought i was going to be looking at maybe possibly selling but you know just based on earnings growth um um <laughs> i can't believe <laughs> i haven't been buying it earlier in this year yeah and, and I do like the numbers. I see exactly what you're talking about, Richard, because I would have a hard time buying this this company, even though they're making money, because I don't believe in what they do. I, I, I think that people that invest in annuities, uh, they're, they're not going to do very well. Company's doing well, but I just have a hard time uh, you know, investing in a company that I don't believe in what they're doing. Yeah, and I, I would say, too, the, the other thing that I would want to understand is from the conference calls is, you know, why are they doing so well? Why are annuity yeah. sales spiking? I mean, I, I look at last year, people are still worried about COVID 
and the decline that, oh, I can't handle that type of decline again. Well, yeah, you can because it came back quite quickly. So that kind of normally that that emotional feeling is what annuity salesmen will, will kind of sell on is, oh, remember how terrible things were last year with COVID? But normally as the market kind of starts to come back, annuity sales don't do as well because people have very short-term memories. But however, the market's high, and I'm sure that makes an easy sale for an for annuity salesperson saying, oh, you, you know, don't go in the market. As you know, it's high. You're going to lose all your money. Here, here's something safe to go on that. Uh, we don't know if they're variable annuities or if they're fixed annuities or what kind of annuities they are. Look like a right. range. But you range. should look at it. The glass is also half uh, full. Mm-hmm. It just shows that people need your services. You know, in other words, okay. people are searching for um, help with the retirement and pensions and, you know, financial assets. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. And, and people have more money now. Things are more confusing than ever. And you're right. This, this does show that, that people really need help. And, and again, Harrison, our, our, our CFP, he is constantly busy with people, putting the financial plans together. Uh, our business has grown tremendously over, over the years. Uh, but I just, you know, like to do what I call the right way for people and educate people not talk about, oh, don't be in the market, it's too risky, just do this safe investment over here. Uh, I'd rather educate people. And, and when, when people come to our office, we tell them, you're going to have losing quarters, you're going to have losing years, but we're buying businesses. And that's what I like to do is really educate people on how to have a good retirement. Because if you get an annuity, I, gosh, fixed annuities now are probably, what, one, maybe one and a half percent, yeah. you're going to do terrible. And your money's locked away many times for six, seven, ten years. And, and that's what irritates me is that, People can't get out of them. And yeah, maybe you're scared now, but the market will change over time. And that's when you need to buy. But then you can't. You got a big surrender charge. So uh, I hear what you're saying, but um, we, 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 and again, business is growing. And the other thing, too, I'm kind of getting off track here, but there's less advisors now because a lot of retire, uh, advisors are older and retiring. So there's less advisors out there for people as well. Yep. So, yeah. Things are changing. All right, Richard. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You know, we see lots of annuities that come through, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's sometimes people feel good about the annuity, you know, but I've never, in, you know, the the seven years that I've been doing this now, I I haven't had anybody come and be like, I am so happy I did this annuity, or I am (laughs) so happy I did this IUL policy, and and people, I feel like a year or two many times, be like, yeah, I I did this, like, it's whatever, but I've never had anybody that's thrilled with it. Yeah, we had had a gentleman yesterday, uh, became a client, came in yesterday, and what was this comment as, as uh, universal life? I don't know why I did it. Right, right. Yeah. And you're right. I, nobody ever said, like, I am so glad that I got this low return on this product for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I'll, I'll say we've seen some that come through, and I, I don't want to paint them all as like, wow, you're only right. going to make 1%. Right. But I mean, not bad is like, ah, yeah, you did like 6% on it per year. Mm-hmm. And had you invested properly, it would have been about 8 And yeah, yeah you would have had the volatility. But you look over a twenty-year period. What's the difference? Right. Oh, it, it's a, if you. Do well, I mean, numbers. like, what's the difference of right. going through the volatility and weathering okay. that volatility versus, oh, it had no volatility. Yeah, but now you have less money. Right. Right. And, and actually, over a twenty-year period, that oh, 2% that's huge. Difference, that is very huge. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I meant it in regard to weather and volatility rather than gotcha. the percentage return. But I'm yeah. glad you pointed that out because I want people to know that a two percent difference over twenty years is huge. Yes. Exactly. All right. Uh, you know, let, let's do the uh, John from Facebook. We'll, we'll flip back to Facebook here. Uh, ransomware question. So can you read what he's talking about there? So John says, do you see more ransomware threats to business? How will that impact markets? 
puts in parentheses, meat packers, etc. cetera. Uh, market opportunities brought about these uh, nefarious acts. Uh, you know, it's funny, and I kind of had, and, and ransomware, we talked about this in the yeah. office, because ransomware is different than, I think, hacking. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, so there's different things here. We're not technical experts, but ransomware is where they take your control your computer and they won't release it unless you pay the ransom. Yeah. But then there's hacking where they go in and they'll do other things to Still destroy social security numbers. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. And, and it's funny, I didn't get the spot. It was kind of out of my realm anyways, but uh, Fox news was looking at doing something on, should the government uh, be responsible for all this hacking that's going on from other countries? And what I wrote, uh, and, and second time in a row that they went with somebody else, I don't know what's going on there, but, but um, anyways, what I wrote was that, yes, I think the government should do this because this is the new warfare. Yeah. Um, this is where you, you've got foreign countries, or, you know, terrorists coming in and taking over uh, companies and, and, and doing this. And, and, and we, we forget that we have some great experts here in the country you know the CIA, how much spying they yeah. do, and what they—they they know this stuff. I mean, the government has people that can do this, so um, that's what I think we do. But it, as far as companies go, it it could destroy companies because they expense. I mean, we said earlier this week that I mean that could actually really be the the next black swan type of yeah. thing. Is I mean, we saw them attack a energy pipeline. We saw them go after now a meat packer, and supposedly these aren't terrorist organizations. They're doing it for money. But it does concern me that what if it gets into the wrong hands? What if, let's say, Iran or somebody, they pay one of these companies to go after us and actually shut things down and say, oh, no, we're not doing this for money. We're doing this because we don't want you to be able to transport energy. Yeah, yeah. That would be terrible. Yeah. And I, I don't want to paint this dark picture, but it is something that, that needs to be discussed because it is a, a potential problem. And I mean, we didn't know COVID was going to happen, but we know diseases are out there. It's kind of yeah. similar type situation where, you know, we know this is a potential threat, but I wouldn't say go to all the cash because this could happen. Right. Right. You know, just be cognizant of it. And, and we'll get through it again if something yeah. does happen, but it, it could create severe volatility in the market. And you got to be ready for that. Right. And I don't say it's like the Y2K issue, but that was a concern because yeah. we had to do something back in 1999 because if we didn't, uh, things would have been a disaster when, when 2000 rolled around. But now the same thing. We know this is out there. Uh, the government has things that they can do, and this is a type of warfare. And it, you might see more of this and less of the bombs and the missiles going across because it's much more effective, but it can really destroy companies because it, it shuts down their operations. It costs them money to do it. Uh, I, I know at our firm, we, we have the insurance. We have all the things here. Every firm has that. But it's still something that you've got to be aware of and i don't think it's going to destroy the the, the country but you you got to make sure that your company does have a good uh protection for it yeah and, and i would say too a uh, kind of talk about the government I, I think the government and private sector really need to work together on this because it is just mm-hmm. so important to protect protect our businesses protect our country things like that um but unfortunately the opportunities in the private sector i feel like like a company like FireEye. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of smart people in this country, in the private sector and the public sector that can come together and help. But in terms of investing, it just they're too expensive because I think everybody knows it's a huge opportunity. 
Right. I haven't found one of those uh, cybersecurity type companies that are, are fairly priced. Yeah, and I think you're right. It would be nice to have the private sector work with the government on this. Wouldn't that be such a nice thing if they could all work together? Huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, because the government does have, again, the CIA. They, they've got people that really are, well, they're spies. They, yeah. they can find these people. Um, so, but, um, yeah. And maybe so. there's something going on behind the scenes that they're not releasing, which, you know, you, they can't come out and say, hey, guess what we're doing? <laughs> you know? no, you, you, that's, that's right. You never hear what the CIA is doing because they're all secret. And he, yeah. and he got uh, the National Security Agency, I think, from the Pentagon, another one yeah. that does a lot of things. So so they, they could be doing stuff behind the scenes that we don't see. And and uh, and, and I remember years ago, people said, you don't want to know. No. what the government's doing because the things they're doing you may not agree with but they have to do them to protect our country so well, it's like coming out like a, a football game and saying hey I, I know a lot of coaches they script their first 10 plays hey opponent here's our first 10 <laughs> plays of the game oh thank you you know yeah. you, you can't come out and tell people what you're doing so, true, true, it, so. it's always frustrating being a citizen you always want to knock on the government but i'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. yeah yeah Maybe you need to get in the government. I'm too old. No. Yeah. So, all right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I hope that helped. uh, Was it John had that question on? Yeah, John. Yeah, on on, on ransomware. I hope that was the direction that he wanted to go. So if not, send us another question on Facebook. Um, All right. uh, Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? (laughs) Hi, guys. Tell you what, a stock I've always looked at is um, Church and Dwight, you know, household products company. Mm-hmm. Um, the stock back in the 20s, in, in, in 2020, was up around 90, 95, 97, came back down into the 70s. Now it's up around the 80s. Um, always one I've, I've had on the radar screen, but never pulled the trigger on. And I've seen, I this, com- yeah, and I've seen this company before, John. What, what do they do? You know, I, Arm & Hammer Baking Soda, I believe, okay. is a product they make, uh-huh. some other household products. Um, okay. you know, kind of, kind of, same thing, kind of like a Kimberly Clark or a Procter & Gamble. Okay, good. Yeah, and Chase will probably pull up a little bit more as I'm looking at the uh, fundamentals here. Again, the company is Church & Dwight Company Incorporated. Symbol is CHD. P.E. ratio kind of high, 28 versus 26. Price of sales is high, 4.3 versus 3.5. No price to tangible book value. That's the same as the industry. And we see price of cash flow at 21.8 versus 18. They do pay a 1.2% dividend, only use 31% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales. They were up 10.9% year over year versus the industry at 14.7. Earnings per share, they were at 16% year over year for the last 12 months. Industry was at 1123 we do see that they have a current ratio of 0.9 versus 1.1. Debt to equity is 65. That's very good because the industry is at 102. Return to equity, 25.8 versus 40.5. But I still like that nice 25.8% return on equity. Net profit margin, 15.6 versus 13.6. And then we see receivable turnover is 13.1 versus 11.4. Inventory turnover, 5.8 versus 6.2. Chase, what you got over there? Yeah, so to begin, uh, kind of to carry on what John said about some of their brands, I mentioned Arm & Hammer. Uh, they also do have OxyClean, First Response, Nair, uh, Little Critters, Waterpick. Uh, oh, yeah. They have the Trojan brand mm-hmm. for, um, you know, condoms and stuff. And then they also have Zycam. Uh, so they, they have a lot of different kind of brands, and I'm going to say different areas, which is, you know, uh, kind of the true definition of a consumer defensive company because uh, a lot of them are in uh, defensive right. nature. 
But uh, looking at the current price here for Church and Dwight, it is $86.47. 52-week high is $98.96. And 52-week low, well, that's $72.03. Now, unfortunately, I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $3.27. Would give us a target sell price of $54.28. Now, one thing I am kind of surprised by this company, and I, I kind of say that now, but consumer defensive generally can raise their prices at a you know few percent each year. But I mean, they've had steady earnings growth. In 2020, they made two dollars and eighty-three cents. I said it's going to be up to three twenty-seven in 2022 is the estimate. So you know, I'd say it's probably a good safe company. It's just I don't know if it it could fluctuate from seventy-five to ninety-five over the next five years. Yeah, and, and we we have a company not the same as, but I'll call it similar that we bought, uh, I, I'm going to say, a couple of years ago, and we sold uh, last week. Uh, this company, too, again, uh, it, it's overpriced, so it's time to kind of get out of these. It's not time to be buying these companies. It's time to be selling them. It doesn't mean you'll turn around and buy them next week, but Church and Dwight, I, I think, great business, but it's time to sell it, not time to buy it. So, all right, John? All right. Sounds good. All right, thanks, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that opens up the phone line, 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brent Chase. This is your friendly devil's advocate. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I can't believe the company you're calling on. It's, it's such a nice company. What, what do you got going on, Joe? Well, well there's reasons, but uh, yeah. But uh, you know, hey, I want to bring up stuff in you know in the future, probably that um, I want to be able to talk to you guys like. Like I'm talking to my best friend, you know. Sure. Well, we are your best friends. About any, about anything. Well, even if it, you know, might, you might, it may, might be controversial towards the businesses that you're in. But um, okay. But I'll softball you today. You know, something, something Harrison was saying earlier about the uh, what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when you get old, you don't spend as much. But I, I tell people, healthcare. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be the issue when you get older. It's not maybe more spending when you, what you normally do, travel or whatever. I mean, dental. I mean, don't even get me get into that. I mean, you know, good luck. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you're kind of thinking the same thing I'm thinking is that your your inflation, you have what I kind of call personal inflation. I mean, obviously, if you're in college, your inflation is different than if you're 70 years old because yeah. you're buying different products. So, so yeah, yeah, well, well taken on that. Yeah, yeah and it, it's important. I mean, Harrison wanted to kind of bring up a different point, but also it's important to kind of look at the planning process of saying, well, how does your insurance come into play now? Some people, I think, are way overinsured in mm-hmm. terms of like long-term care and, and health insurance when they are in retirement. And other people are way underinsured where you're right. All of a sudden, oh, I don't have any insurance. Yeah, that dental project, yep, that's going to cost like $20,000. And it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So kind of understanding how that medical inflation, you're right, does impact it and how to kind of, as you know, Joe, we're not big on insurance, but it does have its place um, in kind of protecting against that type of inflation as well. Yeah, but in the same sense, uh, you know, if more, you know, your insurance is going to cost you more in the future. Yeah, and, and kind of, well, that's where the planning process kind of comes into play is, um, you know, what is the premiums going to look like? What type of insurance are you going to need? Um, and a lot of times, too, the the odds of having major surgeries are, are low, but also how are you going to fund that? I mean, Harrison was kind of looking at more of a fixed perspective, I know. But, um, yeah, no, I, I totally see what you're saying. There are going to be rising costs and medical, but uh, coming up with a plan on how to combat those rising costs are, are going to be 
very important. And the other thing to look at is too the, the traditional sense of inflation with CPI and the PCE that we look at. Medical is not as big of a thing as uh, other areas. So it, it's a different type of inflation that retirees see, but uh, important to understand that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I guess the whole day softball with a GM because <laughs> I'm not the old <laughs> half of you guys. Uh, I don't own it myself. I kind of help manage uh, somebody else's portfolio for them. And they, um, and I, I put it in theirs a while back. Um, but, you know, they had a, that uh, pretty nice little spike. I think it was Thursday, maybe. I figured you guys would know why. I, I didn't. And so maybe you can elaborate on that as well while you're looking at the numbers. Yeah. I know on Thursday there was uh, something came out from somebody. For GM? Yeah, for GM. It was electric. It started with electric cars. No? No, no yeah. They, they actually came out and said that they expect this year to be much better than they anticipated because they were kind of talking about how the chip shortage has been obviously problematic right. to, to doing uh, the car business. But they came out and said, actually, they've managed it quite well, and, and they're anticipating the year to be stronger than they initially anticipated. And there was other news, too. Something about Ford, electric cars. Ford came out. And Ford spiked a lot more than GM. Ford had really strong electric vehicle sales. And I, I must kind of right. walk this back. I, at first with the Mustang Mach-E, right. I said I, I hated it. I saw one on the road the other day, and I really didn't mind it. I don't like that they use the Mustang name because it's not a Mustang. Right. But the right. car actually looks pretty cool. I, I got to walk back my initial statements. But, yeah, Ford had a huge spike in electric vehicle sales. So that spiked them. And I think also GM kind of just rode that wave a little bit. But then later in the week was when they announced that uh, this this year is going a lot better than initially thought. Good. Okay. Well, yeah. So just I think general news came out. And, again, I'll, I'll pause on electric cars. And there was something that was kind of like uh, some meme stocks or something were starting to look at electric vehicle type things. That's, that's why I think I heard something of that nature. But, anyways, let's look at General Motors. Because, again, we, we think this company will do very well going forward. they got a great management team. Uh, and also, too, one thing, too, besides the electric vehicles, they also have autonomous driving, which we think is going to be another big thing to pick up on. So General Motors, symbol is GM. We do see a P-E ratio of 10.3 versus 74 the industry. Price to sales, 0.8 versus 2.8. Price to book value, 2.1 versus 7.2. And then price to cash flow is only 4.3 versus 15 for the industry. Now, we do see sales were down 9.5% year-over-year, which is worse than the industry, down 6.3%. Earnings per share, they were up 89%. whole industry was up 2,900%. Uh, Looking at the balance sheet, we see a current ratio of 1.1 versus 1.3. Debt to equity, 230 versus 156. That sounds high, but keep in mind, car companies actually do loan vehicles, so therefore they have uh, loans on their balance sheet. Uh, we do see that uh, return on equity is 20.3 for General Motors versus 11.2. Net profit margin is 7.4 versus 4. And then inventory turnover, that checks in at 9.2 versus 8.9. And receivable turnover is 14.7 versus 3.3. Chase, what about the earnings going forward for General Motors? Yeah, so current price here for GM, well, that's $63.37. 52-week high is $63.88 and the low $23.33. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $6.64 would give us a target sell price of $110.22. Yeah, and and I think that's one thing that could actually do very well for General Motors is I I think that target sell price, and again, it's not going to happen next week, but it's going to, I think, grow into over time because I think General Motors has the right management team, also has the right products. Uh, I do believe they'll do better than Ford. 
Although Ford, because Ford for a while was doing like nothing. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Now, now they've kind of come on the scene. So, but yeah. yeah and I, I would say too, with these car companies, the, the big issue with them historically has been the cyclicality of the business. Yep. And, and it's going to continue because I mean, they're, they're still largely how much they can sell in terms of their volume of cars. But one thing that is kind of starting to come into play, and you read from Ford and even Elon Musk has talked about it, and now Mary Bear from GM, is you're starting to see a little bit more service revenue type opportunities for these automakers, which really would help them during downturns because you get that reoccurring revenue. And, and Wall Street generally loves reoccurring revenue because it's, it's nice to have during downturns. So yeah, that's, true. Um, that's where I think you could start to see the evaluations and and to let you know joe we used to actually carry a lower multiple on gm but now that they're actually starting to have that opportunity for service revenue we did increase it to our 16.6 because we think the business is changing and uh, like brent said i think gm does have the, the right management team in place yeah and, and also the higher multiple as well because of electric vehicles and autonomous driving and i i believe they're the front runner for the autonomous driving as yeah. well i mean they, they just got a deal over in the uh, in Dubai to have, you know, their cruise origin, which it's known as, as the autonomous vehicle of choice to transport people. And they're the ones, too, that they had uh, something else that was uh, kind of like a, for factories and stuff, I think it was. It was like some little vehicles that would move around the thing, and I forget what it was. Yeah, but, and yeah. they have uh, work trucks that they're supplying to FedEx. Yep. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It's like Bright Spot, I want to say. Spot. Is yeah, their, their new Spot. business? Yeah, right. and they have kind of work floor yeah. electric uh, tools that people can use in like warehouses. So yeah, it's they're, they're kind of trying to diversify, diversify the business, which I, I think will help them kind of get away from that traditional automaker feel. Yeah, it's not the old car company. That's why it does get the higher multiple now. So uh, yeah, we, we like it. It's not a buy at this level, but it's, it's, it's one that we do like uh, long term. I think it'll do very well. All right, Joe? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting because, you know, because it went up like around three bucks and I haven't seen it move like that in... I haven't seen a move like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it's interesting too that you mentioned. Uh, I, I just figured sixteen point six was for all your stocks. I didn't realize you had different price targets on different stocks. We we, we do have some variation to that based on the business uh, that is actually in. So we have changed that uh, on different companies because it's it's we do generally use a sixteen point six is the normal, yeah. but we will take exceptions to that. And that's where all the reading comes in. And if you if you spend some time reading about what General Motors is doing, you'll be fascinated. Like, wow, this is not some old car company. This is like some new tech company. So it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you know, too, another time we did kind of trump that 16.6 was actually on a home builder. Yep. Because generally during upswings in home building, they're not going to hit their, their peak multiple. They're going to hit, you know, 20 times earnings when you hit a trough. And at 20 times earnings, the stock may fall 50% or I'm just throwing out a number there, but it's going to be on a downturn and that's when it's going to hit the the peak multiple because, well, nobody wants it at that time. But when it's going higher and higher, their earnings are very elevated. So then people are kind of worried about, well, what's the peak here? So the cyclicality, the cyclical companies can be a little bit more difficult to value. And, and most times, as I said, they're not going to hit 16.6 in the boom years. Yeah. And, 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 and the numbers that we use, they are guides. But that's why we spend all the time reading and understanding, reading the conference calls, understanding what what they're doing, because that 16.6 is is very strong but it's not set in stone to where we won't deviate from it if we see something different like chase mentioned the real the um, home builder uh now with general motors where we will kind of change things all right well once again thank you for your insight it's so fun to learn okay john 
Uh, Jim, John, Joe, uh, <laughs> good, good, good talking to you. We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I looked at the, the person below you is what I did when I looked up at the screen. So, Joe, have a great right, weekend. Don't be a stranger. Bye bye. All right. That opens the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And I've been remiss to do the workshop, but you had something you want to comment on. I was going to say, geez, Joe says he wants to be our friend and you can't even remember his name. Uh, well, sure, <laughs> point it out mean. again that I, that I screwed <laughs> up here. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to do that. But it's just we like, know Joe. He calls it all the time, too. It's know, not like we don't I know, know Joe's I, name. I know, I, yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. I know. And, and again, because I, I got, because I'm remiss here because I'm not, we got our workshop coming up. I totally forgotten. And so I'm kind of looking at that. I'm looking at the screen, listening to Joe and, I almost said John again, listen <laughs> to Joe, and it's like, so So sometimes I got too many things going on. But I do want to talk about the workshop because it is coming up on Thursday, June 24th at 6 o'clock. It will be at Ale Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. Uh, this is where the next Smart Investing Workshop will be. At this workshop, we're going to show you how I successfully manage clients' money for over 40 years. We will go over all the financial fundamentals that put your mind at ease when investing and keep you on the right track and the right course for long-term investing. That's the important part. Uh, we also will go over mistakes that investors have made for years and will continue to make it if they do not attend the workshop because you won't know you're making a mistake until you find out what the mistake is. So we share with you different things that people do that cause you to have financial destruction in your portfolios. The workshop, it is free, but you must register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. Seating is limited. Don't delay. And, you know, have one of those great beers at Ale Smith Brewery. And they got, always got great food trucks there as well. And have a good time and get smarter in investing uh, as well. So we love yeah. doing them. No, yeah. we love doing them. Yeah. And we do talk like with Joe, talking about different things. We, we give a lot more information at the workshop because we have time to talk and we're talking, you know, and we answer questions, personal questions from people as well. Yeah. That's so, yeah, a great time. All righty. Let's go back to the phones here. Let's go up to Huntington beach and speak with Andy. Andy, you're on the smart investor, Brent chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, uh, great show. Uh, company you. I'm thinking of buying, um, but I'm very familiar with the company is uh, Northrop Grumman. They're also oh. a big employer down there in San Diego where I used to live um, and up here in Los Angeles as well. And I don't have any stocks in the aerospace industry, so I think they're the best of the bunch. What do you guys think? Well, great question. And uh, yeah, company is well known, Northrop Grumman Corporation, symbol is NOC. We got a great start here, uh, Andy. The P.E. ratio, 13.8 versus 1,118 for the industry. Price of sales looks good, 1.6 versus 2.1. No price of tangible book value, but that's the same as the industry. And a lot of these companies, defense contractors, they have accumulated a lot of other companies over the years, which has increased their goodwill. We do see price of cash flow is 10.5 versus 60. They pay a decent dividend, 1.7%, only use 21% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, we do see sales year-over-year year up 8.9%, industry down 2.2%. Uh, wow, earnings per share for Northrop Grumman grew by 106%. Industry was down 97%, so that looks very good for them. Look at the balance sheet, current ratio 1.5 versus 1.4, that is good. Debt to equity 121, which is uh, okay, but getting to that level I feel a little bit uncomfortable but it is below the industry at 132. Return on equity is 46 versus 0.5. Uh, 
net profit margin of uh, 12.1 versus 0.19. And then receivable turnover is 4.9 versus 4.4. And inventory turnover 36 versus 2.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Northrop Grumman is $377.51, right near the 52-week high of $379.03, and off the 52-week low of $282.88. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $25.45. That would give us, or excuse me, $25.62. I was looking at the one below that. $25.62 would give us a target sell price of $425.29. So it is above the current price, but I, I might be patient here, Andy. It, it is actually in what we call our hold category. It wouldn't be a buy at this level, but uh, I, I do agree. I think it is a interesting company. I think it's... I'm going to say a safer business because there's not a whole lot of competition in the industry. They generally have very good contracts to go out for many years. I don't know what their backlog looks like currently, but we do have a defense contractor in our portfolio. I know their backlog is just phenomenal. And uh, I, I, I don't mind it, but it's just a little pricey. I'd be a little patient with it. And also, too, I think you want to look at deeper what they do. Because one thing, too, I kind of talked about earlier that, you know, there could be less bombs and missiles and more cyber attacks going on and so forth. Yeah. And, and the defense contractor we hold, I, I forget how much their revenue comes from that, but it's a pretty good portion mm-hmm. that they're actually doing stuff like that. And drones are another thing. So there's you really want to understand the business because I think it's worth doing it. The numbers look good, but you want to make sure what are they doing to meet the future because I think just making bombs and planes uh, going forward is not going to be the way to do it. I agree. And I, I it's what you guys just brought up earlier about the cyber attacks, I was kind of wondering how many of the – you know, defense contractors are going to absorb some of the smaller companies so they can get in that sector of the, uh, you know, of the industry. Because you're right, that's we're obviously being attacked by foreign countries or foreign countries are allowing it. And um, I think that's a, an opportunity for the defense contractors. But um, interesting. I, I really appreciate your guys' perspective on, uh, on Northrop. Well, Andy, thanks for the call. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk with you soon. Sounds great, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We got some time. Should we do the one more Facebook uh, one here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Robert on uh, Facebook, a VTR is a symbol. Do you have any comments from uh, Robert there, Chase? Yeah, he just says, uh, good morning, gents. If you get time, can you look at VTR? It's Ventos is the company. He's held them since Q2 and done well. It looks like it's a good time to put that money to work somewhere else. Um, yeah, that's it. He does say okay. he has MPW, but uh, that is kind of, we'll take yeah. a look at VTR. Yeah, uh, which is Ventos Incorporated. Uh, not a great start for Ventos. A PE ratio, not material, but that is the same as the industry. Price of sales, 5.8. That's above the industry at 3.4, and that's not a good thing. These are valuation ratios. You want them lower. We do see price to book value, 2.3 versus 1.9. Price to cash flow, 24.5 versus 18. So the valuation ratio is not looking so great for Ventos. We do say they pay a 3.2% dividend, but the dividend payout ratio is not material, which means that perhaps that they don't have any earnings. Uh, we do see sales are down 6.3% year over year. Industry did fall by 21%. Earnings for Ventos were actually down 112%, but the industry is down 217. So the company and the industry seems to be having problems here. Uh, no current ratio versus 0.43 for the industry. Debt to equity, 115 versus 257. 
Uh, return on equity is a negative 0.9 versus a negative 2.27. Net profit margin, also another negative here, negative 2.4 versus a negative 5.6, and no receivable, no inventory turnover. A lot of negatives here on the fundamentals, Chase. What are the earnings going forward? Well, some of those could stem from it as a healthcare REIT. Okay, so, and, read. and I will say uh, he did mention MPW. I had two healthcare REITs, maybe trim it down to one, it sounds like. So, because yeah. I do look at the numbers here for Ventas, and even on top of the numbers you brought up, um, numbers don't look great on my end either. The current price is $56.76, 52 week high is $58.43, and 52 week low, well, that's $32.19. I say they don't look great because I go with to December 2022. I see FFO again, funds from operation, $3.11 would give us a target sell price of $51.63. So I, I'd agree with Robert's comment there of time to move on from it. does look yep. like you've done well with it. Uh, I think you could find some better opportunities uh, at this level. Yep, exactly. And that, that clears up all the callers from Facebook or who do not call us? Commenters. What do you call them? Commenters. I like commenters? that. Okay, yeah. Commenters. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Lori. Lori, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I'm looking to get into some technology and was wondering about uh, KOPN. Okay, and do you hold that or looking at buying it? Um, I have a little bit of holding. I'm just wondering if I should buy more. Okay, let's take a look at the Copen Corporation. Symbol is KOPN. Uh, unfortunately, no PE ratio versus 36 for the industry. Price to sales also expensive. It's 17.6 versus 6.4. Price to book value, 18.3 versus 22, and no price to cash flow versus 19 for the industry. So the valuation ratio is not off to a good start. They do not pay a dividend. Sales were up 37.9% year over year. That's very good because the industry is only up 13.4. Earnings per share for the last 12 months year over year up 78% for Copen versus a 3% growth for the industry. So sales and earnings looking pretty darn good. The balance sheet, uh, got a good balance sheet here as well. Current ratio, 3.4 versus 2.3. Debt to equity, 0 versus 62. Now, unfortunately, return to equity is a negative 14.7 versus a positive 18. Net profit margin also checks in at a negative 11.5. The industry is a positive 16.8. And then receivable turnover, 5.5 below the industry at 8.3. Inventory turnover looks good at 5 about the same as the industry at 4.8. Chase, what do you got for earnings going forward for this company? Yeah, I was kind of looking at what the company does, and it, it looks like it invents, develops, manufactures, and sells components, sub-assemblies, and head-worn and handheld systems. So hmm. um, not quite sure exactly what that means, but as you kind of said there, it is a technology company. I want to understand a little bit more about the companies that they serve, if they do have any major customers, because I see this company is under a $1 billion market cap which uh, does make it kind of small. I hope that they don't have too much concentration in, in particular suppliers. But looking at the numbers here, the current price is $8.49. 52-week high is $13.62. And wow, the 52-week low, $1.11. So this company must have gotten a major contract or something to kind of increase the, the stock price that much. Now, unfortunately, I go out to December 2022. I don't see a positive estimate for earnings per share. In fact, they're estimated to lose three cents per share so we can't derive a target sell price from that uh kind of my opinion on this is is a, a, a gamble okay yes yeah, it's, it's a very speculative lorry and and there's only three analysts that follow it and they don't have a very big range so one says well in 100 cents one says it'll lose five cents 
Uh, it appears to be that they, they went up a lot because I think you said they had a contract they got, Chase. Uh, no, I'm just guessing. No, you're guessing. I mean, I mean to go from a dollar eleven to 13 I mean, something had to happen, yeah, especially yeah. for a small business. And I did look up, this is something to keep in the back of your mind here, is in 2020, they had uh, $40 million in revenue. $14.1 million about came from DRS network and imaging systems. 10.8 came from Collins Aerospace. And then 10 million came from funded research and development contracts. So that's 34 million of their 40 million comes from three customers. Yeah, so, and that's one thing we've talked about, Lori, too, is that when you have a concentration of, you know, three contractors or three three uh, customers, uh, that can be a problem for you. And that, that's, that's one thing we see here with this company. And I forgot, did you say you hold this or look at buying it? I do have some holdings. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's again, as, as we say, it's speculative. It could go higher. Uh, if you came to us and wanted us to invest your money, we probably would sell this off because we just don't have a good feeling that, yes, this is definitely going to go higher. Not to say it won't, but it's just something that there's just no reason to say that it will. So does that make sense? It does. Would, could you check one other technology? Uh, I actually, I can't because I got other calls that are still holding here. Okay. Oh. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Okay, Lori. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Let's head out to, let's see. I forget who was next here. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Santee and speak with Chris. Chris, you're on the Smart Vest over on Chase. How can we help you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Love your show. Good. Well, thank you. How you doing? Good. I've been playing with a sickly volatile stock. It's called Polarity PE. And the symbol is PTE. Uh, it's kind of just been a game of mine for about a year and a half. I'm holding, considering buying more. Want to hear your thoughts, but I think I know what they're going to be. <laughs> and when you say playing with it, uh, you mean trading it uh, up and down? Is that what you mean by playing with it? Yeah, yeah. I've done really well on it. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the short-term capital gains I'm going to pay for. But, um, yeah, I've been playing with it for about, about a year and a half now. Yeah. And it just feels good when you do it, and it goes up. You make money, like, wow, this is great. This is so easy. And it is easy until it's not. So let's take a look at yep. the <laughs> company here, Polarity TE Incorporated. Symbol is PTE. Uh, unfortunately, no PE ratio, but that's the same as the industry. Price to sales, 6.2 versus 10.3. Price to book value, 3.1 versus 12.5. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales are up 171% year over year. That's well above the industry at 22 we do see earnings per share climbed year over year last 12 months, 67%. The industry was down 7.8, so that's a positive. The balance sheet looking very good here. You got a current ratio of 4.4 uh, versus 3.6. Debt to equity only 16.6 versus 42. Return to equity is a negative 134 versus a negative 17, so I'd want to check into that why that is that bad. Uh, net profit margin also something going crazy here. A negative 339 versus a negative 25. And then we do see receivable turnover is 5 versus 4.8. Inventory turnover is 20 versus 2. And you want to check that income statement to find out what's going on craziness with those earnings. Chase, what about earnings going forward? Yeah, so uh, current price here for Polarity TE is uh, $1.07. 52 week high is $2.38. And 52 week low is 55 cents. So that's where I can see how you've had success playing it because it's been very volatile and all over the place. It is a very small company. The market cap is just $86 million. Ooh, wow. Now, the problem here is I don't see any estimates for uh, really going forward at all, so I can't get a target sell price for the business, unfortunately. But um, as you kind of said there, Chris, it is it is a gamble, and uh, 
I, I think that's the exact definition. Yeah. So, and I think if you understand that, you know, you're speculating and gambling, you're fine. Uh, you know, and, and just realize that it again, it's speculation. Already. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Chris. Have a good one. Good talk to you. Bye bye. All right. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim. He just hung up, unfortunately. Oh, so. Jim, Jim is gone. Okay, well, you know what? Because I was debating because I haven't promoted the workshop very much, and I like to have people do that because so they can learn more because they hear it on the show, and they're not sure what some of these things mean and so forth. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, the workshop coming up. It, it is going to be June 24th at 6 o'clock uh, at Alesmith Brewery right off of Miramar Road, and, and that, again, is going to be uh, two weeks away. Is that two weeks away? No, not two weeks away. Three weeks? Uh, three weeks on. from Thursday. Three weeks from Thursday. There we go. Um, you know, and that's last Thursday. La <laughs> then last Thursday. Okay, yeah. so uh, Thursday passed. Yeah. Three weeks from Thursday passed. We're, we're probably confusing people when it is. It's June twenty fourth at six o'clock. Yeah, just give the date. That's yeah, give the date. Yeah, I'm not gonna stop trying to guess how far away it is. Um, and we're, we're gonna show you. I mean, we do not hold back. We show you how I've, I've managed money successfully for forty years. The things we do, the mundane numbers, all these important things that we do, um, and it really helps put your mind at ease. When you do it, and, and Chase, you bring up some very good things in the workshop that, that you talk about. We really go over the numbers in more detail for people. Yeah, and a lot of people like it as well because, you know, I was talking to a gentleman that attended last time saying, he's like, you know, I, I listen to the show, and a lot of times you guys go over the ratios and a little over my head, but the workshop kind of brings that together as we go through it, and you get to kind of visualize it and mm -hmm. see it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big benefit for people. Yeah, and, and that is the big thing. You actually can see it on the screen, so it, it makes sense because here on the, on the show we go over the numbers and we, we try to explain them somewhat, but uh, sometimes, you know, we, we can't go over each one the way we can in the workshop. The workshop is very helpful for that. Um, we, we also do a thing where we bring out mistakes that people have made. We show you why they're mistakes. Uh, we, we do talk about, you know, the, the – the, the downside to the annuities and variable annuities. We talk about expenses, things you don't see behind the scenes that happen in the industry. And so these are things we bring out during that workshop. Yeah. And, I, you know, I always try and follow up with people after, see what they thought. And, you know, most people I talk to say, I, I learned I, I learned a lot and it was very beneficial. So. Yeah. And, and, and it is free. We don't charge for it. I, I've been doing these for like 20 years now. I know we've had thousands and thousands of people come through these uh, workshops. Uh, and I've never got a complaint where somebody says, I didn't learn anything here. Yeah. Uh, because it is things that, again, over my 40 years of experience, actually going over this stuff. Uh, but what you got to do, you got to sign up for it. You got to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, you can also call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. She can get you signed up. And again, you have, you're going to have a beer while we're doing this because Alesmith has some great beers there. They always have food trucks, so you can get a great burrito or whatever they have at the food truck. I mean, it, we've done there a couple of times now, uh, and it's just been phenomenal. It's been a great experience for everybody. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely looking forward to doing another one here in uh, about two and a half weeks. All right, we're going to go back to the trying to <laughs> claim the time. June can 24th. I, uh, well, can I also mention <laughs> sure. uh, for PTE, if you look at a max graph, that is insane. They started back in 1999, and in the year 2000, their stocks were worth over $10,000. So now it's all the way down to a dollar now. It's insane. Okay, you totally threw me off because we're talking about the workshop. I'll send you back to the stocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to mention that because you should see this. This is insane. Is it really? It's one of those tech companies, yeah. I bet, that, that was uh, a dot-com darling that uh, never fizzled, yeah. uh, that never panned out. Yeah. And these are things, again, we talk about the workshop. So if you want to sign up for the workshop, again, go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. 
smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Again, call the office, 858-546-4306. And we just love doing these. It's so great to be in front of people and talk with people. And, you know, and we love doing the radio show. But the workshops are a different thing because you're in personal people. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I got to say, I lucked out here because my laptop just died. So oh, it yeah. panned out perfectly in terms of the time I'm going to show. What happened to me, too, is I look on the screen now, it says, hmm, can't reach this page. <laughs> <laughs> so the timing of both that. And I think there is going to be, and I did see earlier at 10 o'clock, it was supposed to reboot or something. So, But, uh, yeah, timing was perfect on that. Enjoy doing the show. We'll be back here next next Saturday uh, doing the Smart Investing Show. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. There's a closing bell. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips go to our facebook page smart investing with brent chase we'll see today's show is sponsored in part by thompson reuters refinitive closing song frank sinatra's my way is performed by local entertainer roman plasis this program is sponsored by wilsey asset management